Welcome to the ITAM Review Podcast, news, reviews and resources for ITAM, SAM and software licensing professionals. Hello and a warm welcome to the ITAM Review Radio Show for April 2020. Welcome everyone. Hello. 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 Everyone else I've tried to join and listen in. What I'd like to start with is I would love to know how you're getting on with working at home, working remotely. So I, I'm going to come to every one of you individually, and I'm going to ask you to rate your cabin fever on a scale of between 1 and 10, okay? So 1 or 0 is I'm completely relaxed and chilled out and loving this lockdown. And number 10 is I'm about to commit a crime. I'm Michael Douglas in Falling Down. I'm about to lose it. Um, to be honest, I, I'm actually fairly low on the scale. I'm, I'm fairly chilled out about everything at the moment. Although most people who've worked with me at some point will probably think that I'm normally a nine or ten when we're not in lockdown. Um, but no, 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 I'm, I'm pretty cool. Everything's relaxed. Work is carrying on as usual. I'm just not going to visit any clients. Bit of a personal. I mean, I've, I've recently um, completed a, uh, a, a coaching uh, self awareness program uh, that a friend of mine does. He's, a, he's an NLP coach for professionals. Uh, and that's actually helped me discover a lot of things about myself. And I think that's really contributed on a serious note to my general level of calm and well-being at the moment. So Good. Who, no, I'm, who is, I'm pretty cool. Who is that? Can we give him a plug? Uh, please do. It's a chap called Stephen Walston. Uh, Stephen Walston Coaching and Training. He's on LinkedIn. Um, and he, he does the, the, the course I've just done. is all about um, creating success as a professional through your own personal wellness. Okay, it's very, very good. And without wanting to make this a therapy session for Barry, what what have you discovered about yourself? Uh, I discovered about myself that I was uh, stressing over things that I really didn't need to stress over. Um, And I've actually discovered that I do have the ability to just let things go, which I've always, something historically I've always struggled with. But uh, yeah, once something's over with now, that's it, it's in the past, don't need to worry about it anymore. Nice. Danny? Um, I'd probably say I was about midway, you know, I've worked from home for a, a number of years, you know, mostly one or two days a week for the past five or six years, but before that I did about eight years working from home every day, I probably had more cabin fever then, in fact my dog was really the only thing I ever spoke to for about eight hours a day. David Foxen? So I must admit, um, I I really struggled at the start of it, um, I'm... I'm not the best um, at not being able to talk to people, as you guys can probably guess. Um, but I think, yeah, kind of like Danny, I've got used to this now, um, really taking advantage of um, webcam talks and stuff. Well, hold on, no, that's sounded dodgy. Can I redo that? <laughs> Sorry, I meant um, I'm taking advantage a lot more of like video calling um, with clients and friends and stuff as well and family members, which has kind of got that human interaction back going on again. So I'd say I'm a five, but I'm definitely looking forward to whenever we can go back into offices and you know i miss as lame as it sounds i miss going into london um you know all suited and booted and ready for the day aj i would say about a one or a two um i spent most of my 30s being locked down as a a natural introvert so actually um sitting in my same desk in in, in my same part of my house is kind of pretty normal And 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 over here in the uk we're still able to get out and about and um and go out for exercise so 
an hour of cycling in the morning, really early in the morning, is making a huge difference. I mean, I went out at the weekend. I did over 17 miles and didn't see another soul. And that's on the road, no cars, nothing. Rory? Um, I think uh, to, to Barry's point earlier about sort of um, self-expectations and stuff, I, I was expecting at this point to be sort of fluent in Spanish and ready for the Olympics. <laughs> um, it's, it's just I'm nowhere near. I'm, if anything, I've gone the other way. Coincidentally, just to give something a plug, I've bought a, a product called Timeula. And it's one of those things that's supposed to help you manage your time better. So it's kind of like a, a list on, on steroids, really. If you on track. How do you spell that? Timeula. So it's it's time, the word time, and then U-L, um, I believe it's A-R. Okay. And what's this, a device? Yeah. So it, it you create a schedule and then you've also, I would. it's like an electronic metronome, I suppose. It, it The idea is that it's supposed to keep you to task. I think, um, didn't AJ mention this the other day, like 90, you mentioned in the last radio show, um, AJ, like 90 minute sprints that, and it was um, yeah. Pomodoro, Pomodoro technique? Um, Pomodoro, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um, definitely doing that. It, it is a really good technique because, again, going back to the coaching power, it's something I've picked up through that, through that coaching power. And, and the default option of it is 25 minutes and five minutes split. So you do sort of 25 minutes focusing on one task and then go walk away for five minutes. But yeah. it is a really, really effective technique. Yeah, and and phone off, email switched off, yeah. out, log, logged out of Teams, logged out of Slack, whatever else, just, yeah, almost focus mode on... on, on it's almost like you, you need a machine that can only do, do one one application at a time almost, particularly for writing. Top, top tip two on that... Um, that time split as well. If you're giving presentations, apparently the the maximum attention span anybody gives to people presenting uh, is 45 minutes. So wherever possible, try not to uh, you know exceed that with other, for anything you're doing. Four, four to five minutes, or is that just me? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, if it involves cake, yeah. Kylie? Uh, so I would say I'm a three because I work from home 90% of the time. So my routine has not changed. My partner is now working from home as well, which is lovely. It's really nice. Although we don't have lunch or anything together. We still very much maintain our separate routines, but it's just nice having you here. And then, but I am getting to the point, you know, my friends are all scattered over London. So I've got a number of friends I've just not seen like everybody else. I've not seen them for months, but I'm, I'm really wishing I could just go into London and catch up with some of them for a cup of coffee or a, you know, a dinner or something. My discovery of the lockdown has been an application called, well, you, there's two of them that do basically the same thing. Uh, the one I'm using is Miro because it's got a better licensing model for me. Anyway, what it is, is it's a virtual whiteboard. And so if you need to run workshops or meetings where you would ordinarily be you know, putting stuff on a screen or putting stuff on a, uh, you know, on a um, writing stuff on walls or whatever, then you can substitute these virtual whiteboards. They are brilliant. The only catch is you do need to prepare before the meeting. So you've got to sort of make sure that you've got this, you can put in all the right templates and things to facilitate people putting stickies on walls and on, on the virtual whiteboard and stuff like that. Awesome. And, and what's the input for that? You've got to have a pen and a uh, tablet or is it mouse nope. or mouse mouse right. yeah so that's you one do... of the that's one of the major especially for stuff that you're doing the 
one of the major differences between face-to-face -face and virtual is just the ability to get a, a bit of paper out and just write and scribble, isn't it? Yeah, and these yeah. are brilliant because the other thing is it's not – I'm no longer standing up and scribbling all over a ward – all over a wall myself what we've almost got is we've always got this enormous war table you know like those war, those tables in the walls in the war movies where people are sort of shifting tanks and artillery and all sorts of things around the table well you're basically doing the same thing on your computer screen barry's been using it as well actually yeah i, I, I have kylie sold me on miro and i've got to be honest i i, I fall in love with it um and as a as a i'm sure kylie Kylie will uh, go with this as well, but I mean, they do a consultant's license. So if you're a small, small independent consultant like Kylie is and I am, Rory is, various other people, it's actually really, really useful because it's a consultancy license. You can invite guests in so you can have clients on there to actually work with. And even if you're not necessarily using it in meetings, it's so good for everything. I mean, if you want a product where you can do a business model canvas, you can do a Kanban framework, a mind map. Mm -hmm. um, you can do a concept map. You can do almost anything with it. It is phenomenal. Uh, before we start with Brett, could we mention a certain 13-year-old lady? Absolutely. Today is my, my daughter Isabella Zerbrick's 13th birthday. So, um, you know, from a stress level, day-to-day um, -day working from home, I'm at a 3. As a father level with my first official teenager, I'm at a 10. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, the lockdown has uh, has had its uh, had its pros. If, if if you really you know if you want to look at it from that perspective, right, I, I get to keep my thirteen year old daughter at home, um, where she's protected from all of the vicious little nasty thirteen year old boys in the world. So, um, you know, that's great. <laughs> I like that a lot. Um, from a work perspective, things have been going uh, uh, pretty well. Um, you know, I, I am. I had a three. I'm getting used to the working from home more. I used to do it maybe once a week, right? Um, now it's every day. And the thing I find is that, and I, I'm going to try to take you guys' advice, is get up every once in a while, every half hour or so, get up, walk away, come back. Go look out the window for a minute, come back. Um, I can sort of, I catch myself sometimes with the stress in, my, in the shoulders, you know, just kind of hunched over, pounding away on the keyboard after six hours of staring at screens. Um, and not having that that regular day-to-day -day business interaction that you would get in the office. Um, but overall, it's been pretty well. Can I recommend a, a tip for that in terms mm. of moving about? Is When you start your working day, put three litre bottles of water on your desk and drink mm. them. Not for the health benefits of drinking water, but it means you get up and down and go to the loo every five minutes. I was about to say. <laughs> <laughs> that gives you the break. It's like, yeah. Genius. <laughs> Um, last but not least, welcome to the radio show, Matt. Welcome, Matt. Hey, guys. How are you doing? Hey, guys. Hey, guys. I'm good. I'm good. So, who, who am I? Well, I'm a Welshman. Uh, very, very similar to the likes of uh, the illustrious uh, Barry and sort of David and, and the others. I'm um, an independent ITAM consultant contractor. For me, uh, lockdown has been probably about a two. Uh, I realised I probably need a bigger van to put the amount of rubbish I've got uh, in there. Uh, what have I missed? Uh, I started doing the pescatarian bit in January, and I missed being able to sneak out to Greg's to get a bacon sandwich. That's my uh, biggest vice, and I miss that. Uh, but apart from that, uh, you know, more time with the family, more time with the dogs. What more can you ask for? 
Cool. Thank you, Matt. You probably want to tell us how you're feeling. Uh, probably a six. I'm used to working on my own or working at home. I'm not used to working at home with a big family around me, and that is been challenging because I'm used to them all disappearing during the day, and I can just get on with it. So that's been challenging, but I've loved the being close to my partner all day and close to the kids and everything, and it's been it's been really nice. A new thing I've discovered, I've, I've picked up running again. For those that know me, I'm a bit of a chunky monkey, and it's been nice to get out running and get a bit more healthy. I was going to say, I don't have kids, so... I don't have the particular challenges of working with kids around and and I've been speaking to people and they've been saying it's been really, really hard. But it's interesting, if I'm on a a meeting or something and a kid appears in the background or, you know, somebody sort of has to break off to speak to to their child, I actually quite like it because I, I really like the sense that our families are, are impinging on our work. I know a lot of people want to keep them separated, but in some ways I think that's really not unrealistic, but it's not right. You know, families yeah. are actually more important I'd than I'd say every, every mm. for all the calls I'm doing, maybe one in three, one in four, that somebody appears as a guest from the mm. family. And I think that's really nice because they, they're, not, they're not like barging in. They usually, pe- they want something and you just say, mm. oh, hello. And then they, just like you are in an office, people pop into the office and ask something, don't they, when you're during a meeting. And uh, I think it's quite nice. Mm. It's it's interesting, isn't it? Because it's the same for basically anybody who's got kids. It's the same mm. for at the moment. So suddenly it's become acceptable. Whereas, you know, six months ago on a Zoom call, you'd have been behaving very differently. I think I think with the people coming into the into the calls, it reminds everyone uh, with all the intense work stuff going on. There's people going on, and there's people affected by all this, and you can see that there's people there who are well and it do you know what, it makes you think do you know what, that's another person who who's healthy so i think mm. it sort of brings you up a bit could we go on to industry news we're doing this call on uh, on zoom and they have been on a bit of a tear obviously I mean, like i heard somebody say the other day that you know even my grandmother's on zoom um yeah. i think they've got probably three times as many people on teams Although Zoom is getting an awful lot of flack around security. Uh, well, our company's um, blocked it because of some of the concerns over it. Yeah, a lot of companies have gone from trying to use it a lot to blocking it since the security um, information was, was released the other day, the other week rather. It's all fake news, this this, this security yeah. stuff. Uh, it's, it's a secure platform. It's like anything else. You have to use the features that are given to you. If you secure your, e- your email account with a password that's password, then you're going to get hacked. You, there's a couple of, I, 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 I mean, uh, Martin shared this morning to us, that they sent out a, a, a letter saying, use these features and you will be secure. Things like a waiting room for uh, for meetings and so on, proper passwords. Um, the problem with Zoom was they would let you use a personal meeting ID um, without a password to make it easy to connect. Um, and if you do that, then yes, if you've got that ID, then you can, you can, you can bomb into anyone's meeting. So they've, no, there's facility there to randomize that, to have a meeting password, to have a waiting room, and even to control which data center you're hosted, your, your, your meeting's hosted in if you're worried about 
Is it in the US? Is it in Europe? Wherever. So if, it, so if it's fake news, AJ, why is it that increasing numbers of corporates are blocking it? Because presumably that's coming from a security team. I, I, I'm, I'm going on. I'm going on the evidence from sort of the National Cyber Security Council, and I was reading uh, New Zealand, for example. They published their guidance for it for for government use, and, and they're happy for it to be used for anything below stuff marked sensitive. I think a lot of stuff wasn't on by default. Yeah. But I think the big thing was the fact that they said that they had end-to-end -end encryption and they didn't actually. And well, I think, you know, the, I, I guess the thing that, that, that was um, challenged was they called it end-to-end -end encryption, but um, they didn't use, I think they're changing to 256AES, aren't they? Yeah. And that's that's kind of that's what people define as end to end in certain circumstances. So I think they were saying, yeah, we do end to end encryption, but it wasn't a standard that perhaps was standardised across what people expected. Um, the other thing I was going to mention, I, I spoke to someone relatively technical the other day, um, and he said basically there are ways around. If you know what you're doing, there are ways around all of the VC platforms. That, that can be that can be manipulated so yeah i think uh, to aj's point there's an element of fake news there's an element of i guess i don't know if it's jealousy that that, that suddenly zoom has gone exponential growth and and, and they weren't before and then people are trying to just go well actually are, are they really secure and and you know try and discredit them to a, to a degree because they've got a different platform they're promoting so yeah again it's all around about who's reporting it what's their motive to report what they're reporting and if you understand yeah. that you can you put a bit of context around it as brett has just reminded me it's customary for newcomers to sing job of the week i don't know if you knew this matt in advance but we're gonna especially those that nice welsh boy singing from the valleys oh we need, yes we need you to sing uh job of the week for us please have high expectations matt i traveled specifically to pontypreeth to go and see a welsh male voice choir practicing Oh, you could be I am a fan of Welsh male voice choirs. <laughs> we won't go into that one. <laughs> oh, die boy, die boy. It's job of the week. Definitely job of the week. <laughs> that was oh, great. Boy. Use that, that one. Just so wrong. Job, job of, of the week. week. Software asset manager at Uber. The job description was definitely written by a software asset manager. It's good to say it was written by somebody who knew what they were after. Yeah. I think. So there's a few things struck me about this. Firstly, um, as everybody knows this, I always have a pet peeve when you see these sorts of jobs and they say must have bachelor's degree. Um, it was nice to see the absence of that statement in there. Yeah. Um, secondly, it's, it's very rare you see a job description where they specifically mention understanding of audits. Um, so that, that makes you wonder if uh, Uber are target of audits. They have been targeted for lots of audits. They're setting up this function off the back of an audit, which obviously does happen significantly often, as we know, in the industry. Um, but it is, it is interesting to see that in the job description as well, because not many companies will actually publicly go out there and say, yeah, we need someone that can do audits because we've been caned a few times. So that, that was interesting. Well, I haven't said they've been caned a few times. Yeah, I think... They haven't said it, but it's the implication of the fact they specifically want someone who, who's, un, who's got a broad range of understanding of audits and how they work. You know, so it's, they've not said it, but it's, it's implied, I think, in the job advert. Or maybe they're just being realistic and think audits are just going to skyrocket. 
yeah. in the next 12, 12 months, which I think they probably will do. Yeah, um, yeah absolutely yeah. right. I think the other interesting thing about this is it's extremely focused on finances, isn't it? Yeah, and cost SaaS. management. Lots of yeah. SaaS in there as well. In fact, the team is called the Money the Matters money. team. Yeah, I love that. I think Great. that's fantastic. I really do. I think that's a fantastic idea for a team within a company in general. Um, I love that they're tying ITAM directly to the dollars, which is you know where it belongs. Um, it has lots of other benefits in other areas, but to me, you know, you know, we are managing assets, and those assets are assets because those assets cost money um, for for our, our clients, for our businesses, et cetera. Right. So I think it's awesome that they actually call it out and they they say it uh, very very openly. Right. This is the Money Matters team, and the same role is going to play a you know an important part of that Money Matters team. And it's and awesome. This is really interesting. I think it's a reflection on Uber as well and the potential fate of unicorns. We are a critical part of helping Uber along the road to profitability. Yeah. Unicorns haven't had to worry about profitability for years. Now I suspect they suddenly will be. They they will do after they've IPO'd. Anyone that IPOs needs to think about profit from their numbers, don't they? Mm-hmm. And it, you know, I think Uber is a really special case just for that, right? Uh, they've crashed. Everyone's socially distanced. No one's taking free, you know, or ride shares across town or to the next bar down, right? Because no one's going to bars and no one's going across town. So companies like Uber, especially those ride sharing companies, are hurting at the moment. Um, and and it, it it says something deep. I think that they're, while many companies are freezing hiring, right? Um, they're not looking to expand the workforce. Uber's still looking for a software asset manager. Yeah. You know. It says, yeah. I, I like this statement. It says, for software asset management in collaboration with internal stakeholders, the vendor and legal, we help ensure timely and accurate software renewals. This can involve rationalization, demand management, negotiations, issuing purchase orders, and lots of tracking and communication to keep an efficient portfolio. Boom. Mm. That's well, proper practical corporate item, that. That's, yep. uh, yeah. That's, that's the day job. I wonder what they're saying on the last bullet where they say uh, excellent written and verbal communication skills and exceptional emotional <laughs> intelligence. Yes. Uh, ex- um, exceptional emotional intelligence. Are they implying there's going to be a lot of stress and you better not crack? Uh, <laughs> yeah. or, or that the users are going to be crying when you start taking shit off them. Yeah. So, yeah. yeah. Uh, Tens need not apply. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> or, or far too many developers who've, who've, uh, acted like their ex-boss what was his name yeah he was so awful that he basically was pushed out and th- that's exactly it it's 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 that transformation from a unicorn into a proper business right. if you like and reining in all that kind of stuff around oh i use this stack because i like it and it's pink um versus no this is this is your corporate software this is what you're using and this this sort um, of this sort of loops around to zoom and zoom video as well because i think if if this isn't going to be increasingly virtual and if you've got video on and you're speaking with a stakeholder, you can see their non-verbal body language. Um, and you can, or if you're delegating something to somebody, you can see their reaction. And I think all of that is part of the new new world order. Yeah. Okay, so that was uh, Sam at Uber. Um, Siam. Jargon Buster. <laughs> Jargon Buster! Jargon Buster. Siam via the medium of cake. Me, 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 me. 
So basically, SIAM is a governance framework which helps organizations manage multiple outsource suppliers. So to explain it through the medium of cake, you are in a cake competition show called the Sam Cake Off. Yes. And you are cheating. <gasps> so instead <Yes>. of <laughs> so instead of making so 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 it's 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 the final the final cake you've got to make. It's your uh, show show stopper. So it's incredibly complicated and it's got lots and lots of different elements and components. And instead of making them all yourself, you're cheating and you're sending Prue and Paul out of the room. By the way, for our, our international listeners, there is a, a UK version of the show called The Great British Bake Off and Prue and Paul are the judges. So you're sending the judges out of the room and you are smuggling in a load of different components made by other people. And you need to make sure that all these components get put together into your showstopper cake so that you can then present it to Prue and Paul for the judging. And the Siam is, the Siam bit of it is how you coordinate all those different people who are making different bits of your cake so that you end up with the beautiful cake that you're going to show to the judges. Fantastic. I'm hoping that stunned silence. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. It is. That, that was awesome. Well yeah. done. Just out of interest, for everyone on the call, who has had experience with Siam? Um, has it a, a requirement or worked on a project around Siam? I mean, is Steph Sam in particular is definitely in there because if you've got a, a, a desktops outsourcer and a servers outsourcer and a networks outsourcer, you need to see who's got the ball in terms of licensing. But we don't really hear much of Siam. So what, what's your experience of Siam out in the market? I think um, the problem with Siam is that there's always the bit that falls between the cracks. So if you've got a desktop outsourcer and you're asking them to do license management, they would obviously do Microsoft Office as an example. And a server outsourcer would do Exchange Server. Who does the counts? We've had this a few times in, Scope, in through my during my yeah. career, which is, a uh, well, actually, Cow is a client access license, so therefore, that's not server, that's EUC. This is why you need to, this is why you're the person in the middle, that the service integrator, so we, I didn't say what it, me what it means, it stands for service integration and management, so the person in the middle, the person, the competitor, is the person who is integrating all the different components of the cake. So this is, and this is a mistake that a lot of organisations make when they outsource is they think they can just outsource SAM and they don't have to worry about how licences are managed sort of within the outsource and it becomes even more complicated when you've got the, when you've got multiple suppliers. So you always need to have that individual making sure that stuff doesn't fall through the gaps. But the other thing is you can have multiple suppliers all using the same licences. So you've also got to make sure that you are allocating licenses out to suppliers in such a way that they have a pool of licenses that they can manage and they can shift around and they can do whatever they need to do with and they know that they're responsible for managing that pool of licenses but then you might have another data center outsourcer who's got the same licenses but they've got a separate pool so again you need to have that integrator in the middle that says okay this is the sum total of 
total of our licenses. We're pulling in all the deployment data and how it's all and how the licenses are being used from all our different suppliers, and we're and we're maintaining that central understanding that allows us to then go and have negotiations with Oracle yes. or whoever. Uh, and, that's and correct. That's, that's how it should work. Yeah. Yeah, and now, that's how my experience is, is is not is not <laughs> yep. that. A separate into a separate organisation that does the service integration, I think, is a good concept. It works well. The idea that you could outsource that to to one of to say a prime outsourcer who's then trying to manage a load of competitors that seems to me to be crazy, just as a, a general thing. Yeah, that's per se. predominantly my experience mm. where I've been one of those competitors within a within a, a myriad of others yeah. um i mean a retailer in the uk was i mean it was absolutely crazy what was going on there because there's so many people and the challenge that you have there wasn't really a proper science model there it was a you do that bit you do that bit, you do yeah. that bit yeah. and so when you went to the cup you know they went to us they right can you give us an ibm position he's all right okay i need this data then right you've got to go and speak to them over there Go and speak to them over there. You say, right, yeah. and, and this is not particularly uh, breaking news, but you ask for some data in a format with a template, and you don't get that data in the format in the template. That's kind of fairly standard stuff, anyway. By the by, you know, they wouldn't give it to us, so you end up having to go back to the customer going, they're not, Where's the report? Can't give it to you because they haven't given us the data, they may yeah, have to get involved. So, I guess the SIAM would have worked in that model, but you know, I've seen. Siam, where they, as you say, Claudia, they're, they're across the top and a couple of pillars as well. Yep. So they're kind of doing both bits. So, yeah, if architected properly, um, and I think a lot of people kind of reel back from Siam because it became just too convoluted. They but went back to kind of an older, an older version of, of how to manage it. Thank you, everyone. See you next time. See you next time, guys. Cheers, guys. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Bye. See you. Bye. 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 Be safe.